everybody. Welcome to Hidden Gems Podcast. This is the series that we do on Rachel's Reviews, where we talk about streaming service and we talk about five films that you might not have heard of that are streaming on that service and get you to hopefully get a little bit deeper into these services and not just the big marquee titles. And it's a lot of fun. We really enjoy doing it. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. So great to be back with you once again. And uh we are truly living in uh, we are truly living in some of the best times, you know, considering other things. But we're living in good times, and just we need to just. I feel like we should all just be a little more grateful that we're on this blue and green marvel of ours. Because I mean, we could be we could be on Mars for all we know. But I'm just I'm just saying I'm just very grateful to be. It, to be right here right now with all of you and I hope you are just a little bit grateful as well me too I mean they say that gratitude is good for your health like literally good for your body so hey why not right <laughs> well it's a good state of mind to have because there are too many people nowadays that are like the sky is falling the sky is falling and I guess in some respects you know COVID and stuff like that I mean it could be better but at the same time that stuff happens literally everywhere in every every point of history there's bad stuff there's also a ton of great stuff too so you just it, it's really all dependent on you got to look at the glass either it's half empty or half full and i'm yeah. a half full person yeah me too me too well today for hidden gems we are going to talk about amazon prime and uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun it's been one of our favorite uh, services to cover yeah, I know for me personally, it, I I go in there every time expecting to find next to nothing. And then by the time I'm out, I'm like, wow, I can actually make some honorable mentions if I wanted to. Yeah. There's some surprisingly decent stuff on there, at least. And, and I was like, okay, I was going to run over some of the picks that I use. But then I look at it now, they just added Dexter, which was a big deal back in the 2010s. And they just added... A bunch of other shows they still have some mcu movies on there which made me do a double take like wait a second oh they do on amazon Plus? yeah i saw thor and uh oh i didn't realize america that. and the first avengers so yeah none of the current stuff but i guess those still fall under somewhat the paramount umbrella so they uh so they can just funnel that mm. over there if they really wanted to yeah, and I have to admit, my definition for Hidden Gems is a little weak this, this week. I picked some ones that probably aren't that hidden, but I don't really, it's fine. <laughs> it's our podcast, long, we can do whatever we want. Go, as long as you go past like the first or second page on any given service, then it's technically hidden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're just movies I w kind of wanted to talk about and that uh, I really enjoyed. So uh, it's going to be fun to talk about. And uh, yeah, they they have not only a lot of movies that they purchase off of at Sundance and other festivals, South by Southwest uh, on Amazon, but they also have their own production, uh, a lot of originals uh, that they make and uh, and that have been award winners like Manchester by the Sea, movies like that that uh that are definitely worth checking out yeah and uh and slowly but surely amazon is really it's really becoming like the place to be for like indie movies if you like mm -hmm. say it's an amazon yeah. exclusive it's guaranteed to draw up some eyeballs yes i agree 
well, let's dive in. Let's talk about our picks. Uh, so my first pick is a movie. I thought I had talked about it on this show, but I couldn't find it on our, my list. So forgive me if I'm repeating. Uh, but I want to talk about the 1995 film Sabrina. This is the remake of the uh, of the Audrey Hepburn uh and uh, humphrey bogart version of sabrina and i like that version i really do but i actually like this remake a little bit better and the reason why is because humphrey bogart is so not interested in being in sabrina <laughs> he is so disengaged uh he uh, he was uh you know a lot older and i guess so is Harrison Ford and Julia Armand, he's a lot older than her, but he, but I think it's even more so from Humphrey Bogart, but, but it, for whatever reason, they have very little chemistry, in my opinion, uh, Humphrey Bogart and, and Audrey Hepburn. And obviously, I adore Audrey. I, uh, I, so I, it, the movie's not like a total loss, but uh, it, she was also dating William Holden at the time, and so... You know, there was probably more chemistry between, there definitely was more chemistry between her and the, the the other guy who she doesn't end up with at the end of the movie. And so anyway, there's a lot of reasons why I prefer this remake over the original film. And in this remake, I think the cast is really good. You have, of course, Harrison Ford. Julie Armand is, is really good at kind of playing this, uh, uh, this kind of, woman who falls in love with paris and changes and and she's not really a manic pixie dream girl but she's uh she's the kind of person that she's like edging towards that i would say <laughs> she's on that path um yeah yeah that's right <laughs> um but greg Kinnear is really great as uh as his as linus's brother uh, and uh, Lauren Holly is in here and she's fun. I don't know I just really enjoy it and I think the ending's really romantic and uh, so yeah I I really I think this is one of the more underrated films of Harrison Ford's career in my opinion. Have yeah, you ever seen I, this one? No, I have not, but uh, I just wanted to say going back to the Humphrey Bogart thing. I love Humphrey Bogart. He's one of the most charismatic actors who has ever lived, but he definitely has some performances where he clearly could not be asked and and he's still great but at the same time it's like you can tell when in movies like Casablanca or Key Largo or Maltese Falcon where he's clearly like like he's clearly like he's like I came to play and then there, yeah. then there's other movies where he's like I'm just here for the check yeah that's right <laughs> yeah this is no um uh what's it uh the um search for the treasure um, search treasure of the Sierra Madre, Sierra Madre. <laughs> no uh all right well what's your first pick so my first pick oh wait actually before we move on I wanted to mention that this movie was directed by Sidney Pollack who had a long and lengthy career directed Tootsie and just too many other great movies to mention as a producer writer director like from like the late 50s to like the late 70s into the like 80s he was like he was top tier there were people their critics were like if it's Pollock it's like a definite seal of quality yeah definitely and I don't know it's tough being in a remake because people are just going to compare you to the original and people have nostalgia for the original and so it was kind of a no-win situation but I it's this is one of those 
remakes. I feel like romantic comedies tend to do pretty well with remakes for whatever reason. I mean, you've got Males of Remake and and, um, and the Parent Trap remake, Father of the Bride remake. Um, a lot of uh, romantic comedies seem to do well with um, an update. As far as remakes go, my stance is as long as they bring something new to the table, I really don't mind. Like examples of good ones are like Rise of the Planet of the Apes and and mm-hmm. like and stuff yeah, like that. That's a good one. And then like bad ones are like the Psycho remake from 1998. If you haven't seen it, yeah. don't. It's literally yeah. Gus Van Sant saying like, "All right, here's the original print for uh, Hitchcock. There it is." It, like yeah. he does exactly the same thing except worse but that's another yeah. story for another time yeah i mean the only reason i get annoyed by the disney remakes is because some of them are good most of them i don't care for but um the thing is is i feel like there's always an effort to sort of be like we're updating from that animated film back then and that that's what irritates me is, is that we don't need disney to be telling people that the that the animated 2d animated films are somehow outdated that irritates me. And yet somehow the 2D animated films are more mature than their 3D counterparts. But again, that's neither (laughs) here nor there. So my first choice is a series that ran for two seasons, six episodes each show, 12 episodes. And it is a show called Lore. A bit of backstory. This, This show is essentially a TV show that is taking episodes of the true true crime podcast called lore taking select episodes and bringing them to bring them to life uh the podcast lore was created by aaron Mankey, and the podcast is excellent i'm he's not paying me anything to say this i'm saying genuinely the podcast is really good it's essentially if you take like if you take like the twilight episode but instead of works of fiction it's stuff that actually happened like late 1880s early 1900s american history is where like a lot of these stories take place and you quickly recognize that we are definitely living in good times because back then oh boy it was a lot worse back then and especially in the show here uh it essentially it essentially examines how crude and how just kind of how darker and just cruder everything felt back then and just how how lack of knowledge just provided to just some truly dark things that happened in our history if i had to recommend a couple of episodes for you all to get started on they're both in the first season the first of which is called passing notes it stars robert patrick the t1000 and that's really good and probably my favorite episode is called unboxed and it's about it's about a little boy he has no friends and his parents are like hey we got you this boy like Dolph to be your friend and I'm sure you can put together the rest from there what makes the show good is just how it's just like that old saying the truth is stranger than fiction there's a part of you that's like there's no way this could have happened but they they make it they make it known that this is legit like a true story and this was how things were done back then it, it, this show will definitely give you a deeper appreciation of all the advancements we have made and just how better off we all are, just in terms of knowledge and in terms of how we treat each other. Huh. 
I had never heard of this before, before you just described it. So that sounds really good. I, cause I love like, I mean, unless it gets too gross, I, I, I like true crime and like, I like following the clues and, and figuring out what's going on. And, and, uh, and this sounds intriguing. Sounds good. It's not like black mirror where things just go like, just go like, like out of control. Like this is, this is like Twilight Zone, but like American history, like like after Civil War yeah. going into Reconstruction and like earliest and then going into like the 1920s. Like yeah. basically, if you think every episode takes place when, when the Industrial Revolution starts happening, then you're all set. Cool. That's great. All right. Well, uh, my next suggestion is one of the ones that I admit is kind of a stretch as Hidden Gem, but I still think it's it's like an indie film that uh, is getting some Oscar buzz, but uh, we need to, to talk about is uh, One Night in Miami. So this is uh, directed by Regina King, and it tells the fictionalized story of uh, the, it was the night after the... Uh, big championship win by Muhammad, by uh, the time of Scottish Clay. He's about to become Muhammad Ali um, the ne- that next, I think the next weekend. Um, and so there's this sort of fictional account of this night where they were um, with Cassius Clay, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Brown was a football player who became a media, media person. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, where Sam Cooke is a singer, of course, Michael X, we all know as an activist. And, uh, and so anyway, it's between the four of them and they are uh, talking about a lot of different issues that they're dealing with. And it definitely feels stagey. So if you really don't like, if you don't like stagey movies that feel like a play, then this won't be for you. But, uh, but I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the staginess and um, the acting is all very good. I, I really liked, uh, especially um, uh, the, um, the, I especially liked Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, playing Sam Cooke. Uh, of course, he's an incredible singer, so it makes for an easy, uh, easy part of that part of the role. But also I just thought his, his fights with, particularly with Malcolm X were really well done and interesting and about like, how much do we protest? How much do we concede? How much do we, uh, uh, do we kind of toe the line in order to, uh, you know, maintain our careers, you know, all a lot of different conversations. And, uh, and so I think it's definitely worth checking out. Most of the movie is just in this hotel room. There's just four, these four actors, uh, again, it feels kind of like a play, but um, but I thought they did a good job, and Regina King did a, a good job for her first movie. It's pretty impressive. Regina King, the actress, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Wow. She's not in the movie; she just directed. So. Yeah, that's what I thought. And when I when I heard about the plot of this, I was thinking to myself, this is kind of like the Million Dollar Quartet of context. Yeah. There was a Broadway show called The Million Dollar Quartet, and yeah. is based on an actual interaction between. Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl, crap, I can't remember the, Carl Parks, let's go with him, Carl Parks and Johnny Cash. And it's, and the the gimmick of the show is that 
four rock and roll legitimate legends meeting in one place together in one point in time and just knowing all the crazy insane amount of stuff that they would do in the music world it's like the meeting of like the united nations of music and when i heard about one night in miami it's like sam cook muhammad ali malcolm x and what was the last one jerry brown jerry brown that's like that's like the greatest of all time like in one room together some of the greatest yeah yeah it's a very it's a clever idea clever concept and i guess it was originally a play and then the um uh, the writer of the play kemp powers uh he adapted his own play for the screen so well, if you're going to do that, you might as well get the original guy that did it to yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> to oversee things. Yeah, and a lot of times that ends up working well. I feel like uh, like um, Stephen Chbosky uh, adapting uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower, and he actually directed that movie uh, as well. So he did the he adapted his book, own book, and uh, and then he directed it. So I think that tends to make it for a pretty pretty good movie for the most part. So. Uh, but what is your next pick? So hard left incoming because my next choice is Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. He's like, talk about talk about a difference. Like yeah. a movie about four influential like African Americans in their respective field that's still being felt to this day to stoner comedy about two guys that just want White Castle. <laughs> because that's exactly what this movie is about. It's about two guys named Harold and Kumar played by John Cho and Cal Penn, who one night are just sitting on their couch. They just had some weed and they're just like, hey, you want to get some White Castle? And he's like, yeah, sounds good. And (laughs) the surprisingly epic quest of them getting to the sole White Castle within driving distance, I cannot spoil because it's just it's just really funny. It would be so easy for people to just write off this movie as like, a, oh, it's just two guys looking for burgers. Trust me, there's more to it than that. There's actually some pretty good stuff in here. Like, for example, the Cal Penn character is, being, is an Indian American and he's being pressured by his family to become a doctor because all of his family are doctors. And it's just, and it's just one of those things where it's like for one night, Harold and Kumar control their destinies and all they want to do is just get some, just, just get to the White Castle. And when they eventually do, it's like the greatest thing that ever happened in a movie. And their White Castle order has been just videoed about and parodied to death. 30 sliders, five large fries and four large Cokes, uh, cherry Cokes for, uh, for Kumar. And, you don't actually you don't actually see them eating anything, but just the visual storytelling of seeing them eat the stuff after all of this has just happened. I've seen worse filmmaking from from like movies that are supposedly better, and this is actually some surprisingly good filmmaking from a movie called Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Don't let the title fool you. There is. This movie is a lot smarter than the average bear. That's all I'll say. Actually, I haven't seen it. Of course, I've heard of it because I was a big How I Met Your Mother fan. So I knew about Neil Patrick Harris in there. Uh, so oh, he is what, a riot in that, yeah. in that movie. I'll say no more. I, <laughs> you will remember him when it's all said and done. Very good. Well, my next pick is also a stoner. I guess you'd count it as a stoner comedy, kind of. 
excuse me. Um, I wanted to talk about Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. And this is arguably maybe Richard Linklater's best movie. I don't know. I mean, I do love Boyhood and I love the before movies. And I, he's one of my favorites. I really like Richard Linklater, but Dazed and Confused is really excellent. Uh, it's a movie about all of these high school students uh, at the um, the end of their their the kind of their last weekend before graduation, and what that what are they going to do? What are they going to do with their lives? And you recently reviewed America Graffiti over on your channel, and I personally think that Days Infused is a better version of American American Graffiti. It's a different era. But I don't know. I just think it does everything that American Graffiti does, including have they have an amazing soundtrack. Uh, that, but I think it's better. I think it's more entertaining. You've got Matthew McConaughey in here. You have, uh, um, you have Ben Affleck in here. He plays a bully, though he's really mean. Um, I don't know. I just I love it. I think it's funny, and I think it just, like I said, does everything that American Graffiti does. But I think it's better. Yeah, I actually bought this at a garage sale about a like several months ago for like a dollar or something. It was supremely oh, nice. cheap. So I definitely have no excuse not to see it, but I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. I'm a big fan of Matthew McConaughey, both as a person and as an actor. Uh, ben Affleck, seeing him like where he is now and like where he is just from photos, it's like, wow, this dude's come a long way. He has been an actor for a very long time. And Richard Linklater is one of those directors that it's like people know the movies that he's directed, but they don't know, like, like say, oh, Dazed and Confused. I've seen that before. Who directed it? Richard Linklater. Oh, yeah. he did. Like, like it's, it's, it's not like David Fincher where you think of who directed Seven and people are like David Fincher. It's like they can remember it. Like with Richard Linklater, he's one of those guys where you know his movies, you don't necessarily know him it's right. weird yeah unless you're kind of in the film kind of film bu bubble film fan bubble then he's a pretty big name but i mean a lot of people know about boyhood because of the oscars and everything like that but um but uh but i, I think days of confused is, is one that a lot of people haven't seen and it's really excellent very good makes you think about your own life and those moments of decision makes you think about being a teenager um and uh and what happened in your life and i don't know i i think it's great so well, i'd love uh, to go back there minus the acne but <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and really you should check out the days and confused soundtrack it's one of the best soundtracks ever it's so good so uh what about you what's your next pick so my next choice is from 2007 and this is a movie that nobody really talks about nobody really liked but for some reason it's one of those movies that i watched too much when I was growing up. It's a movie called Next. Uh, this stars Nicolas Cage, uh, Julianne Moore, and Jessica Biel. And it tells the story of a magician. And he works in Las Vegas, and he has the unique ability to see about two minutes into his own future. It's never really explained how he can do this, but he all he knows is that he can only see about two minutes into his future. However, when he meets a young woman played by Jessica Biel, he realizes he can see their entire life together pretty much. 
while this is going on, he is being pursued by the FBI because of his unique gift, which is, and, and she's played by Julianne Moore, because around this time, there's a report of a nuclear bomb that's about to be dropped in Los Angeles, and they need his help to find it. But he doesn't want to help because when he uses the memory thing, it kind of triggers some past trauma. I can understand why this movie was definitely shunted to the side, but I think it's, I think it's def, it definitely got forgotten. And, and I don't know, maybe it's because this movie came out the same year as Ghost Rider and nobody liked that movie, though I kind of do, but it, it's just, it's just a solid action movie. It's got, it's got some really tension filled scenes where it's, where, especially where Nick Cage finds out that the FBI has been on him and he runs down this hill and also there's a there's a log truck that follows down with him and you learn and you learn about how these snipers are trying to take him out and while this is going on the FBI is chasing him i'm definitely butchering it but at the end of the day it's all really well composed there's a definite lack of cgi in this movie and it's definitely appreciated especially in 2007 where it, it was just about to ramp up and become just just a true pandemic, for lack of a better word. Does Nicolas this, Cage do his like Nicolas Cageisms? <laughs> like there is one. There's one instance where he he kind of where he kind of fast talks a lot, but for the rest of like the ninety nine percent, he does play it totally straight. And I think this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think Nicolas Cage is a really good actor when he wants to be. I mean, sure. he won an Oscar for crying out loud for leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. The dude can act and is really good at his job, but well, he has a tendency to pick a lot of crap, but we'll save that for yeah. the worst. <laughs> cool. I actually haven't heard of this one, so that's new and you definitely sold me. So that sounds really interesting. That sounds fun. Uh, well, my next pick uh, is CGI heavy, I'll say, uh, as opposed to uh, next. Uh, and it's, again, pretty borderline and gem because <laughs> a lot of people saw it, but not enough people saw it, is the last year's Sonic the Hedgehog movie, the best video game movie uh, ever made, as, unless you're talking including things like Wreck-It Ralph or whatever. But if you're just talking about adaptations straight of video games, this is definitely my favorite and i know that's not saying much but nevertheless um i just really enjoyed it i thought it was it was one of the most like happy movies i saw all last year and of course i thought before everything went to to, to chaos but um but then mm -hmm. i would watch it again uh, through the year and it just make me smile every time i watched it i thought it was really sweet and the relationship it's really a movie about friendship and the friendship between Sonic and James Marsden was very sweet. I enjoyed it, and um, and I, I, you know, I thought that he looked good. As they definitely made a wise choice to change the look from the original trailer. <sighs> um, it's not going to like change your life or anything, but I just, I just thought it was a nice little movie about friendship. The bar for video game movies is like so low that it's like at the point of where it's at the center of the earth. Like they just needed to do the minimal amount of effort and it would have been fine. And yeah. they went above and they, they went above that and it was really good. And in terms of best video game movie ever made, I will definitely, definitely agree with you there. Though the new Mortal Kombat movie is looking at it with murder in its eyes, but that's, 
that, but the jury's still out on that. When I saw this movie, I basically knew nothing about Sonic. I think I played one game, saw a couple of episodes of the Sonic X TV show, which was Mm -hmm. really good. But outside of that, I wasn't too familiar. When I walked out of there, I was like, wow, that was so much better than it had any right to be. And I think James Marsden has gotten the stereotype of he's standing, constantly standing next to something CGI like Hop and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. He's good here. Jim Carrey finally figured out that he's not really good at painting weird paintings and doing these serious dramatic roles. Like he's best when he's super manic and he is super manic here and it is glorious. And just on the whole, the movie just is like, we're not going to try anything new. We're just going to take what we know about Sonic and put it into a movie. That's about it. And it worked. It really worked. Yeah, and it, it, I'm glad you brought up Jim Carrey because he is really fun. And and it's, it's yes, we've seen all this stuff before, but like we haven't really seen sort of uh, this this type of movie that much for a while. Like it feels felt like something from the 90s. And so it, it had a certain degree of nostalgia, which was appropriate because that's when the game was so popular. And I mean, I don't know very much about the game. And so... Uh, the, you know, the, I still was able to enjoy it and not know much about the game. But yeah, James Marsden, he's like he's usually unlucky in love in the movies, mm. uh, and so <laughs> so uh, he uh, he gets the girl this time. So that's good. <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was very sweet. So what is your next pick? So my next choice is from two thousand and eight, and it was one of those movies that I saw on a complete whim, and it turned out to be really above average. It's called Ghost Town. Uh, This was directed by David Kep, who wrote the screenplay for a little movie you all might have heard of. It's called Jurassic Park. And he's done other things too, but I mean Jurassic Park. And it tells the story of a very crotchety dentist played by, by Ricky Gervais. He really does not like people at all. Like he does, even down to the little things like closing the elevator door when someone really needs to get in there with him. Like he's, he's not, he's not a fun person to be around. However, he experiences kind of like a near death experience. And he's also given the powers of speaking to the dead. And he's not too thrilled about it. But the movie basically does a good job of showing him coming around and trying to help out those who have prematurely died, but have like that one last thing they needed to do before they can see themselves off to heaven. Uh, when it comes to when it comes to Ricky Gervais, it can be a bit hit or miss. Like his comedy stylings can be kind of eh for me, but he's really good here, and he definitely has his fair share of really of really good moments. And there's there's definitely a good romance between uh, between him and and the female lead, I can't remember her Isn't name. Isn't it Jennifer Garner? Am I crazy? Yes, I believe so. Yes, and uh, and he has great uh, he has great moments with Maggie Smith, who was really good in there as well. No, it's actually Tia Leone. Oh, okay. And he has really good stuff with Maggie Smith in there as well. I th- I expected this movie to not be very good, and I was honestly very surprised. I saw it at the old Dollar Theater that closed two or three years ago, where it was like, okay, this has had its run, now it's onto the Dollar Theater, you can see it for like $3. Like, I remember seeing it there, and I was just like, wow, 
that was actually decent. So mm. if you haven't seen it, I do recommend that you check it out. Yeah, I saw it when it came out. I can't remember a whole lot clearly. I don't even remember the actress. Uh, don't remember a ton about it, but I know that Ricky Gervais can be very funny uh, when he wants to be. So I'm going to have to check it out again uh, be, because, yeah, he's, it sounds it's definitely a funny concept. Yeah. British, the British office, thumbs up. Muppets Most Wanted. Eh. Yeah, agreed. Agree with you there. My um, name is Igor. It's French. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with that movie is there's too much of the people, not enough of the Muppets, in my opinion. Nevertheless, uh, my last pick is the adaptation, Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing. And this is such a funny play. It's probably Shakespeare's funniest play uh, that he ever did. And I mean, Twelfth Night is really funny too. So probably between those two, uh, but uh, but it's so well done, and it's uh, it was it had uh, like racially blind casting, kind of like Hamilton, uh, but but you know obviously this is much before it. Um, and you've got uh, Emma Thompson, Kenneth Branagh when they were married, playing Beatrice and Benedict. So there's obviously great chemistry there, and they're so funny and uh and some of the other some of the other stuff is a little uh a little much but and Keanu Reeves is not the best in the movie but nevertheless Michael Keaton is in it and he has a funny role um I don't know I just I love it I think it's beautifully filmed it's very lush it's very um it's if you think you don't like Shakespeare um I would say uh give it a try you might actually like this one yeah, when it comes to Kenneth Branagh and directed movies, it's very much a coin toss. Like, most of his Shakespeare stuff is really good, but then there's Artemis Fowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's really his his biggest woof, right? I mean... Well, and that movie really was dead on arrival to begin with, so all he could do was, like, make yeah. it look nice, I guess. Because <laughs> I really like his Thor movie. I, I think it's very enjoyable. I like his Cinderella movie. It's one of the better of the live action remakes. Um, so he has a pretty good track record. Um, but yeah, his Shakespeare's movies are probably his best movies. And uh, and so uh, this one is one of my favorites. It's got a great cast. Denzel Washington is in it. Uh, and he's always good. And like I said, Emma Thompson. And this might be my favorite Emma Thompson movie. It's right up there with Sense Sensibility. I'd have to think about it. But um, but yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I don't know why, but Denzel Washington seems like one of those guys who would just fit right into a Shakespeare production. Like he just has the voice yeah. to be like, mm -hmm. be like a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, <laughs> signifying nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that he did on Broadway, if I'm not mistaken, he did a Julius Caesar run on Broadway, and and that would be really interesting to see in a movie form. I know that, uh, that uh, and his name escapes me now, but the gentleman who played Jeffrey Butler on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was, uh, was and still is a part of the Royal Shakespeare Company. So, oh, yeah. And he, uh, and he re most recently did a production of Coriolanus. So it is possible for African-American actors to be in the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, it's kind of a, you just have to do the blind casting unless you're going to do othello that's the only one that has a, a, a black role 
Yeah. So, uh, so what is your last pick? So my last pick is a Western and it is called Hang 'em High. Uh, this is one, this stars Clint Eastwood, not directed by him, though it is produced by him. It was directed by a gentleman named Ted Post. And he was a, he was a very underrated director. He, he, directed, uh, he directed Magnum Force, which was the sequel to, uh, to Dirty Harry, which was really good. And he also directed Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which I believe, if my memory serves me right, is the direct sequel to the first Planet of the Apes. And I think my chronology might be messed up, but it was one of the, one of the sequels. But Hagem High tells the story of a retired lawman played by, played by Clint Eastwood, who is framed for a crime that he did not commit, cattle rustling. And so these nine guys find him and said, hey, you did this. And he's like, no, I didn't. And they're like, all right, let's hang him. And so they hang him in the middle of nowhere. They think he's dead, but he's not. And the movie, if I can best describe it, it's like a Western version of John Wick, except no dog. And, and this movie is, is, it's Clint Eastwood doing Clint Eastwood things. If you're on board with that, then you're going to love it. I have been on board with it. And and I have a lot of love for this movie. I don't think it's as good as like, say the dollars trilogy or something like that, or, or any of his other ones. It's definitely not top tier, but it's like the rung below top tier. I think this is a very, this is a very underrated uh, Western. I think Clint Eastwood on the whole had, had, especially during that time, had a great sense of just scale and making making the heroes really heroic and the villains really villainous. Like you have no question who you're supposed to root for. And whether that was a rub off due to his time in the dollars trilogy or not, I think Clint Eastwood is, is one of those directors that we'll never see his like of again. And so I, if you all haven't seen hang him high, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I have not seen any of these Clint Eastwood Westerns, zero. I haven't even seen Unforgiven. It is a huge blind spot on my movie movie going list. Uh, I and just, I, recently, just recently watched Unforgiven for the first time for the AFI project, and oh. it, was, it was fantastic. So yeah. like I said, Clint Eastwood, it, and, and I know the, uh, the Academy really doesn't like him because of his politics, but honestly... He's one of those directors that, like I said, we're never going to see his like again. He just, he had like a renegade attitude to him that he's like, I'm going to make yeah. movies my way and there's nothing that you can do to stop me. Out. And he's still making movies that are like hit and miss, you know, like his oh, sure, Jersey Boys sure. was not good. Um, that was a big disappointment, especially for fans of the musical. But, but then he did... Um, um 15 17 to paris that movie yeah that wasn't good um and he did the one about the um i can't think of the name all of a sudden the one about the um olympic bomber oh richard jewel that that movie was was, that movie was excellent that movie made me mad i was like what has our justice system come to to like frame this guy who was nowhere near the bombing saved a bunch of lives and they pin him for it it's like what were these people thinking yeah it's just one of those yeah. things where it just made me mad, but that's another story yeah. for another time. Definitely hit or miss, but Clint Eastwood is one of the all-timers and will never- I love Grant Torino. That's one of my favorites. Really? I would, I never, do. would never pick 
pick that as one of because your my gr- I like movies about grumpy old men and he is my, the grumpiest old man. Yeah, like, my my grandfather was a grumpy old man and he never had any redemption like um like Clint Eastwood's character, but <laughs> get off my lawn. Um anyway, but um uh but yeah, I have to admit when I saw Hang 'em High on your list, I thought it was about high school. Like Hang 'em High. <laughs> <laughs> How did you, and then I looked it up. How did you? How did you make that connection? Well, hi. It's like I thought it was some kind of like slang or whatever. Did we go to hang oh, high? like it was a stoner movie. Or something. Yeah, or something like that. Hang him high, bro. We go to hang him high. <laughs> anyway, that was funny. Then I looked it up. Like, oh, okay. So there we go. I think that was a really good. 10 movie lists that we did this time i think you could have a lot of fun watching all these movies so let us know if you've seen any of these movies what you think of them and uh ryan where can people find you they can find me on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxd at ryan cam 20 then there's of course my youtube channel which is just called ryan cam uh on Sunday, we're recording this on a Monday. So on Sunday, I released my video for Kiki's Delivery Service. I watched that for the first time. Spoiler alert, it might be my favorite Ghibli movie that I've seen. So it, was fan- it was fantastic. Uh, this come tomorrow, which is a Tuesday, I'll be releasing my AFI project video for Cabaret. On Wednesday, I'll be releasing a video for the very underrated 2011 action film, Hana. I've been looking for a half-decent excuse to talk about that movie, and I think now is as good a time as any. Uh, On Thursday, I'll be doing, pull up the list, doing my video for Network, the classic classic from Sydney, uh, not Sydney Poitier, it's Sydney uh, from Sydney Pollock, and, and that movie's gotten more relevant by the day. And then this coming Sunday, I'm going to be talking about Better Call Saul, in my opinion, the best TV show going today. So if you haven't checked me out, I do highly recommend it. I put a lot of time into the channel. I'm very proud of the growth that has happened over the past few months. So if you haven't checked me out, please do. Yeah, y'all should definitely check it out. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please check that out. And also make sure you're following the Homework is Podcast. We've got lots of fun interviews and other stuff going on over there. And uh, so I think you'll really enjoy that channel as well. So thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.